Hi, and welcome back to the How to Decorate podcast from Ballard Designs. We want to teach you how to decorate your home and unleash your inner decorator. So we'll be interviewing interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline. I run the Ballard Designs blog, How to Decorate. And I'm Taryn, and I'm in product design at Ballard. And I'm Karen, and I head up branding at Ballard. We're your hosts. Hello. We have mother-daughter duo, design duo, mm-hmm. um, Anne and Elizabeth Pine today. They both are at Macmillan Interior Design and Decoration, which I came to find out is the oldest interior design firm in the country. It was, it was 1924, in 1924, something? 1924, yeah. yeah. 1924. And I mean, your work and the work of the firm has been featured in every shelter magazine, all the ones that we know our listeners love. And one thing that I found out that I thought was really interesting is that neither of you have a background in design traditionally. You were in art, and you, weren't you a Elizabeth teacher? Elizabeth was I, I started out as a, a fifth grade teacher, moving up to 12th grade English, and then I wrote a book of short stories, and then I became a collector, and finally I decided to follow my mother, who had worked at Macmillan since the day well, six months after I was born. Mm-hmm. So age 50, 9-11 came along, and I thought, I was 50, it was 9-11, what, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? I've done various things, and I thought, what are you going to regret you didn't do? And it was uh, work at Macmillan, because I thought, the only reason I've never worked there uh, is I'm a coward. I, I don't want to have to <laughs> go out and get business. Uh-huh. I'm a person, like I like teaching because the students were given to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to go find them. Mm-hmm. And I was always scared of that. And I thought, that's not a good reason not to do something. You know, if, yeah. you, if you love the act of design and you love the firm and you believe in the firm and its values, what are you doing being a couch potato? Because you personally don't want to fail at some aspect of it. Wow. Was your mom still there then? Yeah, she was. But she was getting older. And she encouraged you to do it? I think she was shocked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, she had me for 30 years as an adult doing everything else right mm-hmm. right and had you designed your own space in your home or had your mom yes have? no no i'd always been very active uh, myself okay. all along so interesting <laughs> so you totally reinvented yourself at the age of 50. uh yeah kind of but uh-huh. but d- design at least in my mind uh reflects the other thing also i was a quasi photographer so it 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 it's a way for me to combine all the things, the literary interests. I mean, my approach is maybe it's a, maybe it's a literary approach to design. I like to think of, of, of it as a composition, I think, more than some decorators. I like the, the space to have meaning, to have some underlying energy, you know, the way a short story does or a novel does that's not on the surface. So I look at a space a lot that way, and a lot as a photographer does. I always see it like, is this going to take a good picture? Yeah, you know, before I order the fabric, it's just, right. you know, yeah. it's sort of odd combination. So, and I love working with people. And but you just don't want to go sell it. That's no fun. I'd love to, but I'm bad at it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth, I feel like I've read it somewhere where you referred to your mom's rooms as having every one of them has a thesis. Yes, is that right? That is that's true. sort of what you're saying. I think right. That's exactly what she's saying, and I think that's the wonderful thing about working with my mother is. Um, same as when I was in third grade, the thesis always really stressed me out. I got, I would get anxious and spin my wheels <laughs> and cry and scream. 
And, um, and you know, I still, I hate to admit it, but that's that, that very, very beginning phase of starting a project is still daunting, no matter what it is. Um, and so it's helpful. What I love about Macmillan is that team environment is that we all support each other. And, you know, we really go about every project in a team from the very beginning and we lay mm -hmm. out the thesis at the from the very start so unlike my mother I actually do love selling things I love <laughs> getting business it's it drives me I think it's so fun um, and so you know that it, is true she yeah. is very energized by that part <laughs> yeah. of it yeah, I really Whereas I love I want to just like retreat mm -hmm. yeah. if, if there's a rich person in the room I'm, I'm, the retreat like, one. I'm not going over there to that rich person <laughs> that just bought the house next to us <laughs> <laughs> right? Like Elizabeth, get in there. Tag team it. Um, and I love selling objects. And so mm -hmm. I am more, I would say, naturally more object driven. I'll see a beautiful object and I'll think, we've got to make this fit. Now, wait a minute. Um, I'm a collector. I work that way too. You are too, but you always stop me and say, wait a minute. How is that going to Well, for you, but I just, for me, I just buy another house to fit the object. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Sounds like a good plan. You can, you can always find a space for something great. But right? I did want to comment on this thesis idea. I don't know the thesis in the beginning a lot of the time either. It evolves, you know, and sometimes it's at the very end. I figure it out and one little key thing will make everything else work. It's, it's a real struggle to find right, out. Like the Andy Warhol portrait yeah. in the... Yeah. Um, give us an example of what a thesis for a room would be. Like if someone was like, okay, that's, I, I get that. I want to try that in my house. Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have to ask Elizabeth a question while I get a good example. Okay. All right. <laughs> Well, maybe it, talk so a little bit about a your story back. of a room, the thesis. Is that what you mean when you say thesis? Uh, it the, could be. the house, actually. Okay. And I think I do think a lot of the time the thesis will start with the client, for example. You really have to talk to them and ask what they want for their house. Well, I think the thesis starts, well, forget that word. The first client to me is the space. Uh, and I always have to bite my tongue when the client says, uh, well, I... I want this. And I'm looking around saying, really? Yeah. You just bought this and you want that? So my second client is the real client. I mean, I don't say that, but sure. the fact is you have to deal with the space. Right. And you have to work them toward this is what you have. Mm -hmm. So let's try to get right. what, you want, what you want, what you want into this, you know, shape it. So I think the ego of us plays very little role. Because mm -hmm. those two sense, things though. are the main thing. Um, that makes sense, though. Like being realistic about yourself or with yourself about what type of home you have or apartment or what what have you. And just because you know it's you you can't just pull a tear out of a magazine and like recreate that exactly. No, but most it, clients do. They show mm -hmm. it's great when they have the pictures. You know, you have pictures. Oh yeah, I have the lot of it. Oh, who comes a scrapbook, everything's, and you're like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how do I tell them that? But it's not even um, so obvious as that. Sometimes it's uh, like the view out the window. People think they have a great view, southern light. Well, they do, but the window or the, like that, see that? That's, that's a certain color, and it's a pretty big, if you were going to have an abstract picture in your room, that's a pretty big picture you'd be hanging on the wall. If it was in your room, you'd get it. You'd say, oh, well, we have to key the colors around the painting. But the fact that it's outside, people say, oh, that doesn't matter. Oh, they ignore it. But it does, mm -hmm. because it throws off all the colors in the room. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard to make people realize that what they 
see is informed by their brain telling them that building is over there, it's not in my room. But in fact, it is in the room. Right. And that's very hard to get people to understand. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. it is. And yeah. even people walking in the room, they don't they don't know that that's not why the colors aren't working. Right. I mean, you just wouldn't pick pink as your motif in your bedroom against if that, that was brick. right against right. that brick. Right, mm -hmm. right. Yeah, well, we we were speaking to Gil Schaefer, and he was talking about as an architect. And he was talking about um, the continuity, the continuity from inside to outside, and and how one has to heavily consider yes how all of that works together, and it, it all intertwines. On one level, the the outside is the inside. Oh, you're blowing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, the way that I really perceives it, right, 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 right. Doesn't matter if the temperature is ten degrees out there and ninety in here. True. Good point. I hadn't thought about that. And that is why I, I do think it's harder to decorate an apartment that has huge floor-to-ceiling windows because the outside really comes in so much. It's harder to create an environment that's just very insular. And, yeah, um, there's no boundary. There's no boundary. Mm -hmm. mm, well, and, and I'm sure the client wants to be able to still see outside. If well, that's why they bought windows. it. Yeah. 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 They, they bought it for this yeah. View. So view. how do you? How do but you? But the inside sort of becomes secondary to the outside mm. view. Gotcha. Right. Gotcha. What do you do in a in a in a, a I guess apartment or um, that has floor to ceiling window about like art and you know I think in it's very most traditional spaces you have four walls. That's yeah. It's problematic for uh, a lot of things. Uh, mm -hmm. It goes in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, but it, sculptures. You have sculptures. That's yeah. it. But also for. <laughs> furniture placement for um mm -hmm. and at night these views aren't so hot a lot of the time you're just looking at black glass right. yeah and then you you can't even curtain them if you want to because right. there's not that you have to build in pockets and i don't know it's it's fine it's just a, a type of problem that we're right. very used to yeah it's, it's fun though to solve those puzzles because it i mean it, it's, it's very much yeah. fun it's what makes a job you know so, okay, so if someone listening has, say, a room that has the floor-to-ceiling windows, like what sort of, I guess, strategies or things should they do to make it feel more homey and, and warm? Sell <laughs> your apartment. No, no, I think the, I think the, uh, the, the walls themselves, the rugs, the, you know, just kind of ignore the windows. If you can put have some kind of open and closing curtaining device, I think it's good because there's moments when the black is. The client may not realize it at first, but a year or two down the line, they'll realize. If you can have something that goes back and forward like a magician, it can disappear when they want it to, mm -hmm. and come in at night to create a whole different thing. That's nice. Okay. If a you can work vibe, it out, yeah. sometimes you have to take part of the window, like say this corner, and lose that. So that you yeah. can have a curtain this way and a curtain that way. Ah, okay, that makes sense. Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the priorities. And if it's yeah. a daytime thing, if it, you know. Do you ever hang art in in the window? window? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it always looks a little funny. Okay, yeah. We just hung a piece on it, uh, you know, the middle, right there, like going this way. But the client, the client needed to have the art. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. but it always looks goofy. <laughs> have you well, done it that? looks like you no, had a problem, I, and you had to right. Yeah, you're punting. No, of. I've never done that. I just was 
thinking like if you have a great art collection and then you have all these windows you I are think limited they, I think space. if you have a great art collection you close a lot of them off right uh-huh. you you don't you don't mind doing that because you'd buy a different apartment right. maybe if you're straight. and also a lot of cl- collecting sculpture now <laughs> they've got <laughs> you've got you can have moving walls we have a client all the walls are stored like in a closet and they come out with the art on them and oh. create different rooms within the space that's pretty cool yeah. Oh my gosh. That's fancy. I feel like I that mean, was that a t- high budget project. I was going to say, <laughs> it, it, it takes a lot of money to do that. Yeah, but it's doable. And plus, the furniture becomes kind of weird because what sofa's going to fit in all, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Wow. It's cool, though. It's a fun so idea. So tell us about your individual spaces. Oh, where they live? Mm-hmm. Mm. 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 Do you, are they your own little um, like experimentation? Mine are very much my lives. experimentations. In lab. fact, our apartment here is not coherent at all that I would advise a client to have coherence because I've done each room over at a different, let's say two years apart and that two years I've moved on to something else I want to try. Uh-huh. So I have an apartment of eight totally disconnected rooms. <laughs> <laughs> What's your what's the room you just finished or what the last room you worked on? Uh, it was Elizabeth's uh, room she grew up in. Mm. So you finally purged her from the house. Well, she's not <laughs> entirely purged because there's a bit of remnants. But um, I made it I, every room as I've gotten somebody or something out of it. I just pushed my husband a little out of the way, not completely out of the house. <laughs> Is he in the corner now, facing into the corner. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> Like that Hawthorne character, Bartleby the Scrivener, that says, I, he's facing, I prefer not. But anyway, uh, so I have that as one of my five libraries. Now, we have no guest room or anything. It's just one more library because I am ai can't throw out books. They're part of my, like, who I was when I, not even read them, who I was when I bought them. Because ah. I can't say I've read that many. So you can remember when you bought each book? Pretty much, yeah. Wow. wow. Or the stage, let's put it you that have way. five libraries. Wow, that's amazing. Do they all, I mean, you said they're all very different. Well, How one, one is my original paperback from when I went to school and taught school at Chapin. And that's paperback and went to Columbia getting a degree in writing poetry. That's my sort of literary library. And it's chintz and sort of 80. Yeah, I've never changed. That's right. I, I forgot it. we're talking about decorating. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking it's, about you. It's 80s chintz. It's, in fact, chintzes on chintzes. I've got three or four in there. Wow. What color? Uh, greens and reds. Okay. And black. No, that one was in the living room, but that one went out. So <laughs> Elizabeth's bedroom became my uh, fine arts library in her honor because she worked at Sotheby's right. for a while. <laughs> Tell us about that. Oh, I loved it. I love working at Sotheby's. I love the auction world. I try to buy for clients at auction now because I love it. And I think it's the most fair prices you're going to get because the market really drives them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I see it time and again with clients. We'll buy something at auction and then it'll show up on a dealer's stand or something for three or four times the price. And um, it's exciting to get the deal. And it also, I think, gives clients confidence in our ability to find something and, you know, have them pay a good price. Right. Um, so they keep coming back. It seems and intimidating. For that. Tell us how to not be yeah, intimidated. Yeah, I'm totally by intimidated. A Sotheby's auction. Well, so I actually think that you should be less intimidated by a Sotheby's auction or anything because the people who work at Sotheby's, Christie's, Rego, where we shop, they really want to talk to you and teach you. Um, I found that it's very transparent um, in my experience and everyone wants to be helpful. 
Um, so I think that is, but I understand that coming up to the 10th floor or something, everyone seems, you know, 10th floor at Sotheby's where the important exhibitions are, it, it is daunting and it, I totally get it. Um, but so I think there's that, that people actually do want to help you. And then second of all, because it's transparent, you can really feel confident that the prices are the, the prices. You're not going to be overpaying. There's no hoodwinking going on. It's just very straightforward. Um, yeah, I, I I feel auctions get a bad na name for dishonesty. I, I feel very trust trustworthy of the experts I talk to I, over mm -hmm. the phone with mm -hmm. to New Orleans. I, I believe the guy when he says it's good, it's bad. Uh -huh. And also, I, I don't leave bids because I like the whole excitement. Mm -hmm. of being on the phone but i don't believe they fiddle around with the left bid i, I think right. it's pretty straightforward i feel like they would have gotten caught by now yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And i mean i think they i mean they make mistakes you can hear it you know they don't see you raise your hand or something like that but that's kind of your fault if you're not right aggressive but yeah. i think the thing that's safe is that when you're bidding an auction there's someone else who wants you're bidding against someone else so if you pay more it's because somebody else is fighting against you Whereas if you go to a dealer, which I also do all the time, by the way, and dealers are also trustworthy and, you know, it's, I would probably buy much more from dealers than we do at auction for sure. But because it's a dealer setting the price, you don't know that someone else would pay that same amount, right? right. So that's actually a little no, but you scarier get, in a way. You can go home with it and try it out and bring it back. Yeah, that's and, you true. Know, mm -hmm. Auction. You yeah. pros and cons to each. And also, you can get into a bidding war at auction that wouldn't happen at the dealer, and right. it can go beyond what you would buy it for at the dealer. Yeah, have you ever gotten swept away and overpaid? Well, I'm always swept yes. away. Yeah. And, and I when, I, when I backed out and you know, said to myself, stop, this is crazy, after the auction, I've gone to the dealer and bought it at that price. <laughs> like, I want it. <laughs> yeah, man, darn it, I want it. Yeah. So, so tell me when in the process of the design you shop for your art. Is that in the beginning? Is it the end? The middle somewhere? Oh, good question. You know? Because. Mm -hmm. Well, if, if it's for me, me personally. Yeah. Or, oh, for a client. Um, I've never shopped for art for. Well, no, that's well, not true. Clients. I shop for something. Well, most clients don't let you shop for art that I have. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they're buying decent art, they probably in this day and age have an advisor and they ask me to approve or, and so I'm happy about that. Mm -hmm. But I personally am not one of those designers with the kind of wealthy client who just says, you know, go buy me art. But you must be buying something for the walls when you're designing the room. Yeah. So I do, and I like to do it, if possible, during the project. So it's not before or after. It's just when you see something good that mm -hmm. would fit on the wall, present it to the client. Um, yeah. A lot of times it does end up being after the project is finished because they'll have a certain budget for the design that they really want to get through and get the house finished, and then art will be a separate budget. I think a lot okay. of the times people do want to treat art and design in separate budgets. I actually do have clients who want me to help them buy art. Um, right. I think mostly because, well, a few reasons. First of all, we've had fun, so much fun working together and the design that we want to keep the relationship going. And then I do, I do have so many contacts in the art world. And mm -hmm. if something isn't my expertise, I know exactly who to ask mm -hmm. to get the right answer. Right. So, cause I did spend a lot of time, you know, I spent seven years at Sotheby's. And then even after that, I have a lot of contacts in the art world, which I've kept up because I love it. I think it's exciting and yeah. So because, how do you oh. plan? Uh, so to your point, if it is the last, you know, maybe a last step, how are you when you're, you know, designing this base? 
Are you designating like I need this ish size piece here? Yeah, yeah you do, you do okay. do that. Just always have it in mind. Well, if it's some with a carte blanche sort of start, starting from the beginning. Yeah, I think a lot of clients have a lot. Right, that's mm-hmm. true. Uh, yeah. They that's have true. things you're already working with. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, sometimes or sometimes they yeah. don't. Yeah, a lot of times they they'll don't. have a collection and you are just literally doing the decorating. Yeah, right. Yeah, but sometimes people aren't starting their collection really until they right. buy their big house that they decorate. And so, right. I mean, yeah, we are, I think you need we're lucky before having you been painting. somewhat collectors our whole life. It's just a I give mean, and take. Right. When we move into our new apartment, I'll have all of the art for the walls that I've been, you know, thinking about for my whole life. I've been collecting since I was really little. I remember the first thing I bought in an antique fair, I feel like it was in New Jersey. I can't remember, but it's this little figurine. <laughs> you bought it for me. I was dying I for it. I remember this so distinctly. I don't know. This woman was wearing a blue apron feeding a goose. Hummel, Hummel, I, a Hummel figure? A Hummel? Yeah. A Hummel. Is it a Hummel? I loved it. I yeah. mean, I thought about it, and I guess maybe you gave it to me for Christmas finally. But It's I'm still a in this collector. little room that you asked me. I redid. I kept certain <laughs> things <laughs> that were symbolic of... That was your first acquisition was a Hummel. I love it. <laughs> I really want to make fun one. of you, but I'm you not going <laughs> to. <laughs> well, see, I grew, up, I grew up thinking Hummels were also, Fabulous. yeah, like mm-hmm. they were, yeah, you didn't touch that cabinet that held your mom's, my mom's yeah. Hummels. Yeah. Yeah, no. So I know you would make fun of it, but I would cherish that. So. <laughs> and, I, and I have Staffordshire houses that don't fit anywhere I am now. But I found, I think it's important with collectors to me not to put them in glass vitrines. I like to find a piece of furniture where I can mask them, where they mm-hmm. really work, uh, either with humor or with, um, I, I don't know. When you find the right piece of furniture for a collection, it's very exciting it's to me. It's a fun statement. Yeah. 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 So... Tell me about you. You talked a little bit about your um, the evolution of your home. What about yours, Elizabeth? Like, have you? I know you recently had a baby. Yes, got married fairly recently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How has that changed the way Caroline you had a baby too? Do you know that? Yeah, we were talking uh, August twenty eighth. <laughs> yep. Um, so another Leo or is she Virgo? She's, She's Virgo. Virgo. Yeah, just barely, just barely into the reasonable yeah, category. <laughs> um. So we just, when we just bought a new apartment, so it's easy to talk about. So I, we found the apartment and um, the reason I loved it was because it had beautiful proportions and layout and light. So those are the three things I think are the most important qualities uh, of any place to live because you can't do anything about those fundamental, you know, you can't do anything about the light if there's a building, if Mm -hmm. it's surrounded by buildings. You can't really do anything about the proportions of the apartment Um, and layout. the layout. You know, to an extent, you can't really do anything about the layout either. So um, the apartment that we bought has a central foyer and then all of the rooms emanate from that, which I which I really love. And, mm-hmm. you know, other apartments we looked at that were bigger, the bedrooms are right off the living room. And you sort you have to think about that when you buy an apartment because what if you're having a party and your children are sleeping right off the mm-hmm. living room? You know, mm-hmm. all these things that I think people think, oh, wow, this apartment's so big, and they don't necessarily think about... Or they think it's big for the money. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's the difference? Because not 
But doesn't live in well. It's not yeah. going to live well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so I always say, or I've been saying recently, um, that we overpaid for square footage for sure. If you know, look at real estate mm-hmm. value. But to me, that was we got the three things I think are the most important. Right. Does your Does your husband give you? Free reign over the decor? Does no, he, he does, does not. That remains to be seen. He does not give three. Free and what reign. about does your mother give you free reign? <laughs> <Right? laughs> mm-hmm. So, That's so funny. how do you, um, both of you, how do you like? Resolve that, yeah. yeah. Well, I actually, I happen to think that my husband has very good taste, and he um, does. I would agree. He has very good taste, and he also has a very good sense of space. So he has good ideas that I appreciate, but we went, I can't even tell you how many hours we spent designing his closet. Our, my colleague, Lauren, who does all of our drawings, is the most patient person on the face of the planet, whether or not he needed six inches or eight inches or 10 inches on the bottom for his shoes. And he spent a Saturday measuring how high he wanted his clothing bars to, I mean, it was just very Very detail-oriented. Very huh? detail-oriented. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. <laughs> Oh hey, my gosh! You got you to take you know, advantage of every square inch. I imagine. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's, I, that I just valid. wanted to say one thing about uh, my latest decorating, Elizabeth. I got the best rug. Uh, it was from Stark, and it's it's so cheap. It was on remainder. I never thought I would say this, and it's just a printed rug. It's not. It's just printed, uh-huh. and it looks so great. It's my first real discovery that you do not have to have expensive things, and. Everyone who sees it, I mean, Stark put it all over their internet. Uh-huh. And it was kind of an accident. I'm just like, I have to get this rug. El Decor is coming. I get you know, <laughs> and it was so successful, in my opinion. Uh-huh. Didn't you oh, like yeah, it? It looks so good. I love it. It, it changes the whole room. Yeah. So Don't one you, rug. I love, yeah. I love when you've done that. You've one you've, thing. One thing, and all, you don't expect it. And I like, didn't expect it at all. Especially when it's inexpensive. It's even better. I was just like, if it's yeah. no good, I'm just going to rip it out and throw it out the back door. I mean, it was like $800 for, yeah. you know, for them to come and get it all lined up and in. And it was so great. It's so much fun. But people underestimate the effect of a rug uh, to unify a room, including me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, everything's fine. Everything's matching. And the rug comes, and you go... That was what was that wrong. That was the thing. Yeah. It's hard to put your finger on. It's almost like a little. If you have dogs, or they, they always go to some piece of newspaper on, and they sit on that thing. It's something very grounding psychologically right. about a rug and unifying. Yeah. So, do you pick a rug? And I mean, I'm sure every project is different, but do you do you tend to pick them in the beginning and build around them, or do you wait till the end and Both. sort of? Both. Yeah. I think uh, for me, certain rooms, like a dining room, is a good place to pick a beautiful rug because A, it can disguise yes. uh, yeah, things, and B, usually the walls of a dining room are, are more simple. I don't know why I say that. They might be paneled. They might have a... But I, 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 maybe one room is rug-oriented for me, but the others, the rug comes later. Mm-hmm. Not that it's less important, but just like that room. It, it comes later in my thinking. Yeah. But I do think a lot of times the size and shape of the rug come first, even if the pattern doesn't necessarily, mm. because of having to figure yeah. out the furniture yes. plan. I think it. Do, I think That's that right. does help come up with your thesis. Yeah, like Elizabeth's saying, right about that. Um, that the floor, because you have to think about, you know, if you have a room with multiple seating groups, for example, mm. that might be an odd shaped room. Figuring out in the beginning, are we going to have one rug in the middle and then leave the rest of the floors bare? Are we going to do a huge carpet? You know, I think that really does. Mm. Yeah, that's Elizabeth's right. When you start to place the furniture, you're like, ooh, what about the rug? Uh-huh. Yeah. So knowing the size first, mm-hmm. but you yeah. can always 
shop for it as you're finishing yeah. your project. Well, the strategy. Yeah. I would yeah. say the strategy. Is it going to be no rug? Is it going to be one? And then interesting floor? Is it going to be four or five little Oriental? What is it going to, mm -hmm. what is the strategy going to be? Is there any um, uh, secret to making like a series of smaller rugs work together? Like you're saying four or five little Oriental? Yes, there is. What is it? Are you going to share it or are you going to make me hire you? Well, you're not a very good salesperson. Well, you're not a very good question asker. <laughs> There's the truth. <laughs> well, that's true. Well, she wanted me to answer anyway. I want. Yeah. I don't. I, I'm. I, I'm not quite sure uh, of the question, but at at the Lynx Club, I don't like a lot of little rugs because my mother didn't. So naturally, I follow everything she said. But I realized it was the right solution. It was David Easton who had. Um, come up with his plan and I, I realized but they were all oriental rugs and they all worked well together mm -hmm. they were slightly different and so I think if you're gonna have a lot of little rugs they should really relate to each other um, in an interesting way mm -hmm. I mean it shouldn't look like one big rug cut into little ones right but uh, it's crucial to me or to make the make one central one and the others totally uh, totally different but I think it really takes extra thought if you have multiple rugs. Yeah, I feel like it could go bad really easily. Mm -hmm. I feel like it could go wrong. Very it can easily. go wrong. Plus, it, it's as I said, it takes away from the unity of the room. But some rooms you can't have one rug. Right. It right. just if doesn't you've got work. Your multiple seating arrangements. Or yeah, and I hate room. the wall-to-wall -wall approach for most in residential. Mm -hmm. stuff. I actually really do like wall-to-wall -wall in bedrooms, and especially I think in small rooms, it's a really easy way to tie the whole room together and make it look cozy. Yeah, I was talking more about the larger. Yeah. Oh, a living room or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, agreed. When, when, okay. So I know that, that there are a lot of people listening and, and I feel like. Oh, wait, can I say something more about rugs? Yeah. Yes. In an oddly shaped room, I also like a sizal that is cut, cut like six inches shape. off uh -huh. the board or everywhere, notched around the fireplace, notched if there's a, a bay window. So that mm -hmm. it's. It has the wall-to-wall -wall aspect, but you see the corners of the wood, and it, you know, that kind of matting it can be quite inexpensive. But yeah. it looks expensive if detail is shown in the installation, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and sometimes that notching really shows. Wow, yeah, you know, it makes it look more finished. But yet, that sisal or seagrass is so inexpensive, so that's it's kind of nice yeah. to. I think it's, very... it's sisal that does that better. Seagrass mm -hmm. is a bit too uh, wobbly. Mm -hmm. You know, texture. big pieces of seagrass tend to, the humidity ripples and... Uh -huh. The only problem is I, I don't recommend sisal or seagrass for young children or dogs. <laughs> um, because it just, if you spill mm -hmm. on it, it's done. You right. really can't clean even it. Water. So, yeah, even yeah. water. Even yeah. water. Yeah. Not so much seagrass. That's, that's right. better. Seagrass is a little more forgiving. It pushes because it pushes off water. Right. Yeah. Sisal even, soaks it in and... Yeah, we've talked. We about have that gone through this before. Is a disaster yeah, waiting to happen. <laughs> so to save a few thousand dollars, you could end up wasting, you know, mm -hmm. ten having to just yeah. throw the carpet away. So I always say with young children that wool, there's just nothing better than wool. We even bought for our daughter's nursery a sort of temporary carpet that was wool and nylon, and just the spill on the nylon, the nylon just keeps every spill and then everything just the dirt. You cannot it so mm -hmm. I would just wool all Elizabeth's the way. right I mean but the the problem with that is if you buy a wool rug you better like it because you're never gonna be able to tell your spouse oh it got dirty 
Right, that's true. Because it ain't getting dirty. Right, you can never never see anything on it anyway. Yeah. (laughs) No, with club soda and and paper towels gets anything out of wool. Well, I was going to ask what, okay, for the the rooms where you like a wall-to-wall, like a bedroom or something, what sort of wall-to-wall should people look at? Because, you know, you don't want to get, you know, it can can look, yeah, it can look ugly. So how do we pick the good option? Wait, which ones look bad? Shag. Well, like, you know, you don't shag. want it to get have that, um, shag you know, you that like shake. builder, right. you know, that's that true. like builder, builder grade beige carpet that's just that goes everywhere. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, yeah. I know what maybe you're in about. Atlanta, How we could not go wrong with a wall to wall in a small yes. bedroom. Yes, well, I wouldn't, I mean, just don't make it look, get something doesn't look cheap. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know, I mean, again, I would do wool but and i would just see a nice how it goes. little pattern you know okay. a, a diaper pattern it doesn't even have to be subtle if you want a, a lot of splash right true it's mm-hmm. just basically you're talking about a broad loom okay with a, with a small pattern like a little dot well it could have a big loud depending pattern. on the size of the room it depends what you mm-hmm. want okay cool yeah and i think the the more little pattern there is the less it does show spills if you do trailer mm-hmm. dirt. Um, I got this, this strie carpet, which you would think sort of hid everything, and it showed every, it was wool, but somehow the strie showed every tiny little anything, and I had to, after six months, I couldn't stand it, and I, I had to out. Yeah. It was, I don't know if it was defective, or so that does happen. Wow. Yeah. And I just went back to a very plain Wilton Wool sizel, so it looks like sizel, but it was wool. Okay, mm-hmm. super right. plain. That's a good. That's a good. And that's awesome. a good it's like the little loop, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it mm-hmm. comes it out looks like the, a needle point almost. Yeah, exactly. But it comes out in thirteen uh, rolls of thirteen feet wide, so mm-hmm. it's great if your room one way is uh, yeah. less than thirteen. It just it's not expensive. Once it gets wider than thirteen feet, mm-hmm. you have to seam it, seam and so you have to buy mm-hmm. sort of twice the amount. But mm-hmm. they can turn it around and help you save money put it in the closets. And but right. it, yeah, if you but want a runner or something, the stripe is the worst if it gets over the thirteen feet because you can't turn it. Right. You right. can't. Uh, you know. Mm-hmm. So then you just have that bound or surged, and you're done. Is there a reason you like wall to wall in some in the bedroom? Is it the quietness or? Well, sometimes I'll tell you the truth. It's when clients don't want to redo all the floors in their apartment. We'll say, it's fine. We can put wall to wall in the bedroom and cover up these old floors and not replace them. So it is can be a great money saver Okay. in some instances. But I also just think it's very cozy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of bedrooms have sort of a bedroom That's hallway awesome. or a dressing room. Yeah. So it's a really nice way to unite the bedroom hallway, dressing room, and bedroom into one right. um, space. But I also, I just think it's very right. cozy to have wall to wall. I think it's actually a really nice way if someone has a small budget, honestly, mm-hmm. and they can't, they don't have the budget to do anything to the walls, or if they're even in a rental and they don't want to paint their walls or wallpaper, the wall to wall is just a really, in a way, an inexpensive way to unite the room and yeah. make it look. I agree. And good. sometimes in a one bedroom in a rental apartment, if the floors are an ugly color, kill them, get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Just do the whole thing wall to wall and start with a bland palette. Because people also, we're talking about not noticing, they don't notice the color of their floor. Right. Uh-huh. They think, oh, I've got beautiful wood floors. Like, yeah, like, yeah, 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 really. And it actually will throw off the whole house. It really does, it can throw off all the design. You know, if mm-hmm. you have yellow floors, yeah, that or orangey, orange, the orange oh, color. But people don't see it. Right. They just think they have hardwood floors. Yeah. It's like, oh, you have orange Cherry, floors. cherry's difficult. Yeah. Mm. 
and yeah, because it's browns. red. Yeah, people don't realize that there's red and yellow mm-hmm. and orange and which will put their cast over every yeah. single thing in your yeah. house. Yeah. yeah. And wall to wall is a great thing in a rental to do that. Just the bedroom and the living room and the hallway. You did that in the West Village, right? You just yes, the size I of did. The whole apartment. Yeah. Oh, smart. well, you know, um, Miles Red, he has wall to wall sisal. His I think almost his entire upstairs. I think it's the a whole great bedroom look. Mm-hmm. And staircase is all. Sisal. Yeah, I think it's a great yeah. look. Yeah. And then those those uh, David Netto had those uh, little fur rugs a few years ago. You could throw a few of them around and Makes it you're done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. Such practical tips. Yes. Do you have other um, small city living tips you want to give us? No, not really. I'm bursting out of everywhere I go. (laughs) That's true. You have five libraries, so. How about how about decorating around an infant? Wow. Well, I'm. That has been quite an awakening for me because I don't know. With I just wasn't allowed to play anywhere, but I think that I <laughs> watch out when you say something like that. I was drinking coffee. I felt oh, it's gonna come right out of my nose. <laughs> <laughs> I am so serious. I can't believe. And again, it's been such. It's just confirmed what I've always said about you have to have a one hundred percent wool rug because the that is really what gets ruined. It is really true. The rug really gets ruined. The other, our furniture, we have, I mean, this is sounds ridiculous, but I do have a pair of 18th century Louis 15th open arm, guild open armchairs in our daughter's nursery, and it's fine. Our nanny says, Yeah, but she can't roll over. over yet. No, I know, but I mean, I'm saying, I don't think you have to, I think you can make something. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to, those chairs will not be in her nursery when we move into our apartment. They will go into our formal living room. Um, but it just, I, I actually don't think you have to baby proof that much. I don't think you I, have I agree to buy with cheap Elizabeth. furniture. I actually think you can buy really nice things. And what I'm laughing about is, I don't know if I was allowed to play anywhere. My bedroom, which we don't have a picture of, which we could send you when I was little, was We just was showed a beautiful. picture of it. It was a lace canopy oh, oh, bed. The, you know the, the, original. Oh, the original. The original. <laughs> I had the same wool sisal for, I don't know how many, 15 years. It was ne- never needed to be replaced. No. It was there forever. Well, I also of- think just as a mother, you, children shouldn't be told that it doesn't, it's not expensive, you can wreck it. Right. Oh, okay. yeah. You know, or we're not going to put wallpaper because we they, they might take a magic marker. Right. I mean, you need, need to my, respect your home, right? Or my a son child. is quite wild and he never did anything. Well, he did take a sword like that and slash through oil painting. But oh, aside okay. from that, he didn't have much damage. Neither of my children did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did always love beautiful things. I always have. I mean, I loved, I used to line bed and run my hand on, along my wallpaper. I loved feeling the texture and the color. And so I did always, but I just don't, I actually don't think children are really that destructive. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's a good idea to have a sharp edge glass coffee table. No, for them, for them. Yeah. yeah. For their sake. But, um, you know, you just have rules. We had rules, no food in the living room. I don't think I had a deprived childhood. I also don't think people should be eating everywhere. Right. I think you should eat in the kitchen or the dining yeah. room, right. which are eating rooms. You know, there's no right. reason to eat in the yeah. living room as a child. Said brother or son has baby John eating all over the house. Just constant, <laughs> it just drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't think it's good to be eating except when you're supposed to eat. Right. Right, and plus a child learns whatever you tell them. Yeah. yeah. So if the kitchen's where we eat, then that's what they know. That's where we eat. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a struggle. It's just a routine. Yeah. 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 
It's funny because I do have <laughs> clients who will tell me, you know, everything we buy is going to get ruined by our children, so I don't want to buy a nice sofa. But I always tell them, I think you should still buy the nice sofa, but you should buy fabrics that mm-hmm. can up that can oh take definitely Elizabeth right so yeah. that just means yeah. bit, like you said something with a pattern color yeah. a mm-hmm. weave all of those hide spills. I don't advise you know to get a sofa with a solid linen because. Even if it's a dark color, well, even if it's adults, they yeah. spill red wine. You're, yeah. you're dead all the time. Yeah, um, yeah. I wanted to say something about what Elizabeth was saying to try to give Macmillan a little credit okay. here <laughs> as a 94-year-old firm. I think we all, with a client, whether it's a rented one-bedroom, we know them to invest in things that are going to go the distance. Mm-hmm. And that would be what Elizabeth was talking about, the seven-foot sofa that's well-made, that we know what's in it, that didn't mm-hmm. come from a place where you can't see it being made. Right, right, right. Can't see the springs, Mass can't produced. see... The, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, where it's really... it, it These, not just sofas, but a de- there are certain items and certain approaches to decorating that are really classic, and, and I think uh, that are Macmillan trademarks in a way. And I think we all either consciously or unconsciously look at a room in those ways, no matter how wild or different the show cover might be, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's the thing I learned in the museum. The show cover means the fabric. Right, right. <laughs> the stuff on the outside. In other words, that's just junk. But if the structure of the room, the way it's laid out, the, the seating, the, uh, ar- the interior architecture is right, it, you're never going to go wrong. Right. Yeah. You and know where last. to put the fabric. It's a cinch. When you can't figure out where to distribute what fabric, it's because something is wrong in the architecture, in the shell. And you got to stop and do that right. If it's a rental apartment, you can skip that and just think about the items of furniture to sell the client that will go you know, with them. Right. But if it's if it's something for them or even if they're gonna resell it, they they gotta get that right. And clients don't want to because they're ready to decorate. And here you right. come and say, Well what no, no no no. Let's just rip down this wall and let's take this molding out and let's change this like, you know, what we're about to talk about. We have a very classic approach to that. Uh-huh. Symmetry, symmetrical doors. I mean in my son's bedroom in our apartment it always bugged me. And it was because he had a closet door. Well, he needed a closet. Well, did he really? I don't know. I took it right out and I put the bed where it always should have been. I created a wall for the bed between two doors, not having this closet door in the middle. I put the closet door into the, around the corner. You know, a huge difference. Yeah. Now I have a room that anyone could do anything with. And just the, I didn't see it when he was little. Right, uh-huh. right. And, and, uh, that's the thing that people should hire us for, to look at the thing and see how is this room as a machine gonna work? Right. Forget about taste. How is is the structure of it gonna make everything right? It is, it's interesting because I have noticed a lot with clients who just bought a new apartment. It's almost like an ego thing. They don't wanna hear that they have to, or in it some is. cases, there isn't a closet, so you have to make, bump out the wall and take part of the room to put a closet in that room if you're going to make it a bedroom. And I think it's it's in a way not wanting to admit that they bought an apartment and they didn't notice that one of the bedrooms doesn't have a closet. Mm-hmm. And so then all of a sudden there's a lot of pushback and irritation that you're coming in here when you were hired to decorate, or they think yeah. it was hired to decorate, and now you're telling them they have to bump out the wall and yeah. put a closet in if it's they a, want to it's make it a It's the toughest moment in decorating. It really is. It's really hard. And sometimes, 
you know, I had a job where they hired us and they just had a very awkward space and we came in and the first thing we did was give ideas of how to make the space less awkward and the husband was livid and we kind of lost the job because yeah, he said, I didn't hire you to do this. I just wanted you to decorate it. It's and, very hard because you know you're wasting you yeah. know you're wasting their money. Yeah. But you can lose a client because it's 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 also an insult to as Elizabeth it's was saying insult. that they didn't notice it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they already spent all that money and yeah. it should be fine. Right. Mm. Ugh, that's frustrating. Well, no, I mean I think all decorators come up against it. Yeah. But yeah. I think it separates uh, uh the more seasoned from the uh-huh. less. But it's something I think our listeners should be cognizant of if they're going to hire a decorator. They may come in and say, you know what, you need to move this door. This whole room would function totally differently. Yeah. And these changes are easy. Door. People think they're so hard, right. but yeah. they're a cinch. Right. It's less expensive than a new sofa that's going to like sit in the Far less. spot for the next five years. Far less. Yeah. I think what a lot of people also don't realize, which I've, again, come up with, um, is how important a good electrical plan is and how important it is to get the outlets where they should be. And um, it seems very daunting, but to to do that in the beginning, electrical changing the electrical is not as expensive as you would think it would be. You know, and when we renovate apartments, the huge expensive things are the, especially in New York City, are bathrooms and kitchens, and you know the electrical will be much less expensive to mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. But it's still messy because you chop. Yeah, there's right. a lot of You're chopping. chopping involved. Involved. Moving a closet can be done in one day. There's usually no electricity involved. Um, just done. Sh- done. Take off the trim, sheetrock, patch up, open the sheetrock up on the other side, put the trim. Done. It's so simple. Yeah. Well, we do. We 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 talk a lot on the podcast about lighting, and often people's question is, "Well, I don't have the outlet in the right place, or I um, I'm gonna have to run cords." Yeah, I'm gonna have to room. run a cord mm-hmm. across the room and. And so you're right. Like it, is it but just, it is just hard. Just get the electrician in there, and and you'll yeah. be happier in the end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but you have to do the electrical plan with the furniture plan. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, it totally makes unfortunately. sense. Unfortunately, yeah. Does. This is where I'm putting yeah. my sofa. Too, this yeah. is where the rug is. So no, it's very important. To put a lamp on this table. Yeah, and that's why even when clients haven't, so we're full service. So we do we do the interior architecture and the decorating. We can do that. People don't hire us. But, so, for both all the time. Right. Yes, but uh-huh. when people don't, when they have their own architect and their own contractor and we just do the decorating, we always still do the electric plan. And we give the electric plan to the architect and to the contractor. Makes sense. Make, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because yeah. it goes along with our furniture plan. Right, you're like, right. this is this is the way to make our plan yeah. work. Otherwise, yeah. we're gonna have to Band-Aid. Yeah, right. Yeah, lighting is very difficult, very important. I mean, first of all, I love light fixtures. Mm-hmm. Um, I like looking through yours. Okay, oh, <laughs> we love uh, that. We like to hear it. <laughs> where you put them and what type they are is so important. And now it's so evolving so much. A lot of the beautiful, fun art light you can't see sconces. I mean, right. I think yeah, now one out decorative. of five sconces are basically decorative. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. so you have to usually have overhead lighting. It's for people who have a lot of recessed lighting. I think sometimes you need to have. Yeah. The ceiling recessed lighting in the ceiling in order to have these beautiful sconces and right mm-hmm. to have mm-hmm. supplemental light. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
but you're right. Lighting is complicated. We talk about it a lot. Yeah, and and the you know it's nice to have a middle middle level of light lamps, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, with lots of whatever lamps. else. Yeah, and I think people don't realize too, or I've noticed sometimes um, at night. I've been to clients' houses for dinner, and they have the lights blaring. I mean, they, it's yeah. a dimmer. Yeah. Call it, yeah. you know, it's a dimmer. No, but it's, it's a consciousness thing. It's... People don't realize Mm-mm. the effect of lighting. Mm-hmm. It's just... Someone was like, I've paid so much for all these recessed lights, and I want to make sure that they are, they're working and our apartment is bright. <laughs> 100% I, I don't even think it's in people's minds. I just think, think they're not the aware on. of <laughs> the effect of lighting, mm-hmm. particularly oh, at night. I have, I have trained Will. He knows... Don't even turn the overhead light on because I'm yeah. going to come in. I'm going to turn it off. So yeah. just turn on the lamps, Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and save yourself save me yourself in trouble. Don't yeah. hear me griping about it. <laughs> you sound like uh, I am. <laughs> you got to train them. One yeah. of my training thing for, for uh, John is, and anyone, and it's a seating thing. It's a, it's a Macmillan thing, actually, talking living rooms. And obviously mm-hmm. a slightly larger living room than just one seating for four is the this the big oh my mother called it the big american sewing circle mm-hmm. is pretty bad mm-hmm. because one person if you don't know people and you're having them over one person talks and everybody else is kind of trapped in the sewing circle <laughs> it's nice to have a setting where there's one grounded group that and then the other seating can break into two or three but be part of the sewing circle but it doesn't look like it uh-huh. It's, it's sort uh-huh. of the sewing circle in disguise so that if you do need everyone to feel part of the conversation, it's fine. But in, in Southampton, we have quite far away seating. And I go, I'm always on the late side. So I see the car coming in the driveway. I run upstairs to get ready. I come back down. I'm like, what happened to this room? John has taken all the incidental furniture and put it in a big circle. <laughs> I said, you are not allowed to do this. I said, he says, well, what happens when the seventh person comes? I said, then say to them, gee, I haven't talked to you in so long. Let's go over here and have a private conversation. Right. <laughs> Let's go to the bar because together. People don't realize that. Yeah. That, and I hate that feeling of all of us sitting around in circles. You're entrapped. Yeah. You're entrapped. And um, I think that's also, why people don't like to sit down in living rooms. I think that's why they go to kitchens. It's exactly why they don't want to get stuck. So you have to have a seating group that when you see it, a seating arrangement has areas mm-hmm. so that people don't feel trapped. And I think that's also why in the living room, uh, stool, some uh, some stools or slipper chairs are really helpful because if you're sitting in a slipper chair without arms, you just get more of a sense that you could just turn and talk yeah. to another group of people. Right. Or- Anything entrapping. The minute you see it in a room, you're like, uh-uh, I'm not going in there. Yeah. <laughs> because there's no escape. That's right. so true. I hadn't thought about that way, but it's mentally just a prison. Yeah. <laughs> It is. I hate it. Well, it is. <laughs> it's also so distracting because I, when I'm sitting in a sewing circle, I'll be talking to someone on my left, and I, the person to your right is really right. It's very... Well, usually it's one conversation. It's right. one conversation, but if it's not, you can hear the person next to you. Yeah. I find it so difficult to actually talk to the focus, person, yeah. to focus yeah. on this yeah. person because this conversation is Well, you're very right social. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But even a chair and ottoman <laughs> in a corner helps because visually someone they they can picture two people there one sitting on the ottoman and right. one on the chair right. and they can picture you reading over there by yourself so it it makes sense for the room to right. kind of push the corners and have seating that looks like it can twist or turn you know right and then it can be part of the circle and i think that's another brings to the 
one problem that we talked about sort of earlier with the huge windows, when you have the open plan for a house, that also sort of, in many ways, the only seating group you can have is a sewing circle because there's no there are no walls to push mm-hmm. the big sofa against to build a seating group around that sofa against the wall. Everything has to be in the middle of the room because right. there's yeah. nowhere else to put the furniture. Right. So in a funny way, I think the big open plan has the opposite effect of really limiting mm-hmm. the seating yeah. group or making it much smaller than it should be. Yeah, I mean, you notice in these big spec houses in yeah. Southampton, should you want to peek through the window, you see these massive furniture in the, in the circle, basically. Right. And it's seating exactly four people. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just and, in very, very large chairs. Well, <laughs> I, I think smaller scale furniture is so good because you can seat more people, you have airiness, you have a feeling of fluidity. Mm-hmm. It's also better for the human figure. I mean, it's it actually takes, an, you know, 40 inches deep is oh way too deep. It's not comfortable. It's yeah. not you comfortable. Can't get out of it. You can't, yeah. and, and also you're 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 not looking very good. No. <laughs> First of all, most people want to sit forward when they talk. Right. Yeah. You, yeah, you want to sit upright a little. You don't yeah. want to be back like this. Right. Okay, I feel like this is a perfect transition to our dilemma. Okay, I'll read it to you guys and you guys can look at the pictures and solve and solve. So the first one is from, or this one's from Ashley. Um, we recently moved into a much larger home, which came with a much larger master bedroom. Our bedroom has always been on the back burner, but we finally work, are working on it. I recently ordered a gorgeous fabric, which was made into a larger headboard with matching bed skirt. The bay window will also soon have a built-in window seat with the same fabric we used in our master bath. My question is two parts. First, what do you do to help fill up the space? I'm on the hunt for bigger nightstands, bachelor chests. Any ideas? Also, I just got back from the Southern Living Show House in Austin, and I noticed all the painted trim and ceilings. My second question is, what should I do with this big tray ceiling? I don't want it to date the house, but I feel like it would be nice to paint part of it, or all of it, the celadon blue color I've used in the master bathroom. Do I paint trim too? Thoughts on a chandelier. Obviously, I want to get rid of the fan. Y'all are the best, and I can't wait to hear your thoughts. She's got a big old room. What do you put in a big old master bedroom like that? Well, first of all, you're lucky you have one, Ashley. It's true. (laughs) Um, And the window seat, I think, is going to be great. It's a little hard to tell how much space there is on the other side of the room, but I think the window seat... um, and maybe if there's extra space, maybe a stool or two in front of the window seat, mm-hmm. either for putting coffee on or for perching on. I can't really tell if there's enough space between the bed and there. Ballard does have those great sort of ceramic garden stools that yeah. I think would be perfect in front of the window seat. You're right, because you could put your feet up on them or you yeah. could put your coffee on it. Yeah, that's yeah. nice and practical. I like this little wingback chair that's in the corner. I like it a lot too, but when the window seat comes, I don't think it's going to look right there. Mm-hmm. So that's why if there's another corner, uh, or it might, it might be great pulled out a little. I also wonder if on either side of the, is the bureau actually something you're shopping for? It's in a shadow in the picture, but it looks to be the right proportion. I can't. The, the item the television sitting on. Yeah. I think yeah. maybe she was looking for nightstands or. No, but I was yeah. just going to say there's going to be empty space on either side of uh-huh. that bureau. And that's what I would look to to fill either with a pair of chairs or with, I don't know, something interesting. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that looks like it might be a gap. 
Right. Yeah, yeah. That's really right. Very open, wide and open. I think it would also be nice, maybe at the foot of the bed, you could put uh, a tightly upholstered settee. Mm-hmm. It's hard to see how much space there is. Yeah, it does look very generously sized. Yeah, yes. it looks like there's like maybe do. four feet or something, and or maybe more. And I think a chandelier would be pretty in there. She's got such a high ceiling. Yeah. She has these plantation shutters, so I'm curious if we think she needs to hang drapes or... Well, I think with the window seat, it might be hard, but you could pull, if you pulled um, the curtains out to the outer walls, Mm -hmm. maybe, and you did, um, you know, a valance that was, I would take out the crown molding there and bring the valance right up to the bottom. I would hide the the crown molding with the valance, so I'd bring it up right to, to underneath the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of like the plantation shutters and obviously with a window seat you're not going to get a curtain. Right. Um, right. And I, I following what Elizabeth said, it might be fun to have just a, a sort of a lambrequin type balance up there for a little color mm-hmm. of the same fabric as the window seat or something that worked very well with it so that the whole unit kind of... So okay, if you were going to do a valance, do you, do you have the valance go into the bay window yes. over each window? In other window? words, this would be more of a lambrequin type of thing. Okay. Um, without anything coming down to cover okay. to cover the window. Right. It would be kind of a decorative uh, touch coordinating with the window seat, what I you, think. What do you think about painting the ceiling? It could well, it could go across if you wanted to make that a whole little flat, separate flat. niche. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very hard to tell from the picture, the proportions of things, but... Ashley, I'm sure, can get in the room and think if there's any merit. But I think curtains on the outside would be kind of a... If, unless there's other windows. Right. I don't know if there... I mean, it's hard well, to there's, tell. Yeah, there's, there's one on the mm-hmm. other side of the bed to the left of the bed in the oh, photograph. Yeah, yeah, and it looks like light... From the way the light is coming into the room, mm-hmm. the way the light is sort of on the bed, mm-hmm. it looks like mm-hmm. there's another window there. Right. So well, I think... I would put some, I love my mom's idea of the shape Lambrequin, but I think it would be nice to get more fabric and color on each side of the room if there are windows on at mm-hmm. least three sides of the room. I think it would be. Yeah, well, that that's a different story. But I don't like a curtain that you know doesn't draw. Uh-huh. I don't that's care if it is stationary, but if you don't see any track or any way that's getting across there, I personally don't like curtains that really are fake. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, no. But I would yeah. put the Lambrequin... I don't know what I would do. It's hard, it's hard to see when you're not in the space. It's right. hard to see from a picture. But the tray ceiling, I don't know if the picture is representative. Elizabeth and I had slightly different ideas. but And I don't know the ceiling height, Ashley, to the top where the fan is. But possibly it's too too high a well. Possibly mm-hmm. you might drop it a little. Um, so there's a compromise between the wall height and, and the top. It just, I don't know. It's just a question of... Um, Proportion. I like your idea of the painting at the same color as the bathroom. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like a porch. Often people have the gray porch, and then they have a very light blue uh, ceiling. Mm-hmm. It's very nice. Like sky. So, but so you drop the ceiling if possible. Maybe the no, Elizabeth had another thought. That was my, just my thought was just that the crown molding here makes the room look. Like it ends. Smaller, like mm-hmm. it ends. And so right. I might that tall get ceiling. rid of the crown molding, patch it, and paint everything in a pale color so oh, that my. you didn't mm-hmm. really notice the the, you know, the big soffit that kind mm-hmm. of it sort of weighs down on the room. So mm-hmm. I think I might get rid of the crown molding and just paint everything the same light color and maybe up 
up to the ceiling and then put a crown molding on the highest part of the tray. Oh. And so it's just all a pale paint color up to the ceiling where mm-hmm. you've added a crown molding. And then in a small area, you could put wallpaper on the top that would really be a rectangle. So you mm-hmm. have pale and then So mm-hmm. the, the rectangle where tray. the light fixture is attached would be considered the ceiling. The and ceiling. everything below that would be considered wall. That's what I mm-hmm. think yeah. I would do. I thought, you know, that's very interesting about the crown molding, making the room feel smaller than it is because it stops the wall right there. Yeah. Yes. It really is continuing. Interesting. Okay. Cool. It's really good. But it might be worth dropping the the tray part, you know, even, I mean, a foot might make a difference. But actually, that's something you feel in the room. Right. It's impossible to do. Vibe it out. It's really pretty start, Ashley. I love the bathroom you've done and... The bathroom is great. I wish mm-hmm. I had space for the tub. Oh. All right. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe you could turn one of your libraries into a reading tub library. Well, exactly. <laughs> Except it might be a little like the, was it the, the, the sod? Or who, who was it who died? Jean Marat in the bathtub in, oh. at the end of the French Revolution. Oh, oh yeah. That famous David painting. Yeah. No, it's in the Louvre. <laughs> well, and I believe y'all have used the fabric that she used. Yes, I was going to say, I absolutely love the Charlotte Moss fabric in your bed. Um, I used it in a project in the West Village. <laughs> it is beautiful. The, yes. the, pa- the, the change between the bedroom is incredibly great. Yeah, you're making really good progress there. Yes. Because we have a couple pictures of her progress that you guys can look at yes. on, the, on the podcast notes where she's really moving ahead. It's beautiful. It looks great. Thanks, Ashley. We appreciate uh-huh. it. Thank you. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you and follow you and all that good stuff? Yes, they can follow us on Macmillan, at Macmillan Inc. on Instagram. We hear you run that Instagram account. I do. I've been so bad about Instagram. The only thing I Instagram now is my daughter on my private account. Exactly. Our Macmillan Instagram has two followers and hers has 2,500,000. Mm-hmm. Do her a favor and follow them. <laughs> <laughs> and I promise I'll make it more interesting. It's just very hard to... It's a it's a job in itself, basically. Yeah, it Instagram. is. Yeah, it is. Oh, that's the cutest dog. <laughs> what kind is he? On Ashley's bed? Yeah. Hey, she. I can't a tell. Doodle or something. That's not a little. That's a magnificent big dog. No, it could be a labradoodle, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's know. a so it's got curly yeah. hair for sure. It's got curly hair for sure. Yeah, it's cute. All right, that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. You can leave us a review in your podcast app. We would love to read it. And of course, subscribe to the show so it downloads straight to your phone. The show notes for each episode are at howtodecorate.com slash podcast. And follow us on social media. And very exciting news. The How to Decorate podcast is now a skill on your Alexa. That's right. So you can just ask Alexa to play the How to Decorate podcast after you go and enable it under the skills on amazon.com. Yes. Super easy. Super easy. Tell Alexa to play the How to Decorate podcast and your life will be so much easier. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Happy happy decorating. decorating.